yeah, it's the DTC Podcast, people. The Real McCoy, original recipe. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player value. Hosted by John Paul Hurley and Izzy Alcabas. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another DTC Podcast. This is episode number 300, 200 something, 300 fit. I haven't even said the episode numbers for so many, so many times now. So we're just going to skip that. It's a, it's an episode. It's uh, <laughs> an episode. week one of the regular season going into week two. Lots of cool stuff to recap and talk about the upcoming weeks. Uh, really cool episode. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the hosts, John Paul Hurley. Joining me, Izzy, the Pharaoh Fantasy Elkafoss. What's up, Izzy? What up? What's going on? We see each other again. We see each other once again after a full weekend together. Are, are you uh, sick of me? No, never. Sick of more? Sick of me? Never. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm only a little sick of you. So I guess that's a compliment. <laughs> that is. That is a compliment. Five days with me is a long time. That's. It's quite a lot. It's quite a lot. Uh, we got a, a very cool podcast. We're going to talk about the five biggest value winners over the last weekend and the five biggest losers and maybe break down some uh, some ideas around strategies and trades and stuff like that for you. Uh, let's just get right into it here. We can talk about silly things or we can get right into the Dynasty talk. So I think we're going to get right into it. Uh, do you want to start with losers or winners? You feel like a losers kind of guy to me. You're, you're a loser. I, yeah. I, I, w- I mean, how do you want to end? Do you want to end strong? Like with positive, do you want to end on a positive note? I feel like you should always end on a positive note, no? Yeah, yep. We're going to start with the losers. So if somebody asks you if you want good news or bad news, which one do you say first? Uh, yeah, bad news first. Bad news is first. I agree. Yep. Unless unless you have to hear the good news to understand the bad news, which is often the case. Yeah, because usually people lead with the good news is. Yep. Yeah, but the bad news is. Yeah. The good okay. news is, yeah, I won a million dollars. The bad news is uh, taxes are 90%. I had to sacrifice my firstborn. <laughs> I had to sell my son. <laughs> For the million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but I won. <laughs> it was for so, an entry. Yeah. I like that. So the five biggest losers from week one starting, I'm going to go backwards, actually. We kind of uh, started with our favorite biggest ones. So we're going we're gonna to work our way from number five. Number five was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and just to elaborate a little bit more, um, Deontay Johnson was injured. It was just kind of a poor performance all around. What, did you say Fryermuth was banged up too, or was it just you were just uh, highlighting his poor performance also? Fryermuth also got injured. Yeah, but there's no, we don't really know what the what the case is with him because it's like a chest injury. So I don't know if he's going to miss this week. But the Steelers in general, I'd say primarily Kenny Pickett is probably the biggest loser. Well, you're not saying his name right. In in oh, the in Penny the pre yep in the pre show, the pre podcast you pronounce his name Pe- Penny Kick It, which I think needs to stick. Yeah, let's let's stick with that Penny Penny Kick It. Um, it was what do you call that when people do that? Dyslexia. Is it? But is that like? But I'm not dyslexic. It just was a moment of dyslexia. Uh, situational dyslexia. Okay, we'll go with it. Or di- is it situational dyslexia? Dyslexia. Okay, let's go with that. So Penny Kick It. I think Penny <laughs> Kickett is probably the the biggest loser. Uh, not only did he have well, and this is a, a conversation because we don't know if San Fran's defense is that good, which it very well could be. We don't know if the Steelers' offensive line is that bad, which it definitely could be, uh, or we don't know if Kenny Pickett has not improved at all, um, which is also could be like. So the answer is still yet to be determined. But losing Deontay Johnson is a massive blow for Penny because he relies on him so much and so many targets are funneled to him. I think the biggest beneficiary, if Fryermuth can get uninjured as soon as possible, he's going to be a big beneficiary. I think Calvin Austin is a um, is a must pickup off waivers. I know Allen Robinson had a decent game, but I can see them now getting the ball out quick to Calvin Austin and try to get, you know, just try to eat up some short to intermediate yardage just to get the chains moving a little bit. So he could be a low dot but high volume guy in the interim. I think that's a it's a dart worth throwing considering that it's probably not going to cost you a ton of fab. Uh, you could see what happens after a week because I imagine Deontay's out for, I wouldn't be surprised if we put him on short-term IR 
like he went down and he grabbed that hammy immediately. Uh, and they were talking about this being week to week. So I imagine week to week is short-term IR for a hammy injury. There's no point in bringing him back and rushing him. So, I mean, what do you, what did you make of the Steelers? I think, uh, and I'm looking at the stats right now too, but I think the, just watching a lot of the game, something looked wrong with Penny Kickett. You know, like you you got to hope that it's week one jitters. Like this is kind of like the real deal for him. The expectations were much higher than they were last year. And hopefully he's just, he was just a little bit nervous. Um, he had a ton of passes. There was a lot of volume, a lot of targets going out there, which is actually, that's a good thing for me. Like seeing if the, if the Steelers as a, as a unit are going to kind of suck and they're going to be passing because of uh, negative game scripts. I love that for the wide receivers, actually, even if Deontay Johnson comes back, this is a really good sign for him, but Kenny just looked like he was off. I don't know what it was. The fact of the matter is that the Steelers don't have many other many other other options, you know, to go to. So I think they're they're kind of with Kenny Pickett. So he just looked he just looked bad. Like there's no no way to no other way to put it. Yeah, it was a high target share for Deontay, but that's going to open up. And I know um, George Pickens was well, it should be Porge Gickens, right? <laughs> for doing it, Gickens. Uh, Chickens. Let's go with chickens. Um, he was complaining about not being targeted. I think that obviously going to have to change moving forward. But if if they don't give Pickett enough time in the pocket, and they're not going to play the 49ers every week, but Pickens, where you're going to make him eat is down the field. But if you're not getting enough time for these plays to develop, Pickens is going to get frustrated. And this, whole, I think the whole thing just starts to crumble on the Steelers' offense a lot faster than people could have ever imagined. So, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily – you can't necessarily sell Penny, but you're not putting him into a lineup without Deontay Johnson until we see what happens in week two. Like, you, you yeah. can't start him. You're, you're almost and – I, and I hate to, hate to say this, but – I have a hard time ever saying, hey, don't start a starting quarterback in a decent offense, but I have a hard time starting Kenny Pickett next week. Um, so they're playing Monday night against the Browns. And what the Browns did to since, I mean, I don't know if it was Joe Burrow just being rusty because he sat up most of camp with calf injury. The weather. Could have been partly the weather. But man, I I don't know if you could roll him out against the Browns. Like, do you start a wide receiver four instead of Kenny Pickett, or do you roll with him? Like, what would you do? Um, I mean, I I gotta feel like most contending teams have a better QB two than Penny Kickett. Um, but if he's your only option and you got to choose between you know a different performance position, um, not quarterback, over Kenny Pickett, I think yeah, you you probably have to. I I honestly. Being the Niners and knowing that the the opportunities were there for him, I'm fine starting him. Like, I will take that volume and just hope that he completes something big, or you know, he just tosses it to you know, like a slant route, and somebody houses it, something like that. I'm I'm fine with rolling him out. To be honest, he might have had the most passing attempts last week. Yeah, at 46. Yeah, I don't know who led the the week, but yeah, 46 is a big number. They obviously couldn't run. They were down. The game script is really good um, for him. I mean, he mustered. He salvaged. I don't want to say salvaged. I, I think he only had eight or nine fantasy points, depending on the format. But I don't know. I think I think Pickens is a tough start next week against the Browns. You kind of. I think people are going to auto start Pickens, and you can hope that. They just use him in a better role with Deontay being gone. But I, I just don't – the only players I feel comfortable – the only player I feel comfortable starting if he plays is is Pat. You know, maybe they get the running backs involved more. But the Steelers right now look like a dumpster fire, and I, it doesn't get any easier this week, and I, I just don't know. And who knows? Like, they could come out next week, and they could just ball out, which would be totally – NFL fantasy football, you know, exhibit A of tilting, but I just have a hard time trusting what just happened and then them losing Deontay Johnson. So 
I'd, I'd put everything on ice, you know, for another week to see what happens. And I think your your flyer is Calvin Austin over the next few weeks. Yeah, I agree with that. And I know Allen Robinson. I do you do you believe in Allen Robinson? I know post Deontay going down, um, he started to see decent target share. But I don't know if I I don't know if I can trust Allen Robinson either. Even though he, I think he's probably okay to trust, but I, I don't know how durable he's going to be this year. You know, I th- I think um, that would definitely be a concern of mine. But are you st- are you starting Allen Robinson next week? Hell no. If you have him as a as a let's say he's your second flex, no chance. No, so you wouldn't you don't think that the target share that he got after Deontay went down is is worth the pickup nope i i like the in dynasty i like the calvin austin um move but i don't like the Allen robinson move i i assumingly he's not available on, on most waiver wires I, I would not plug him in my starting lineup though like I, I would roster him and hopefully move him for a pick or something you know to a a team who's desperate for a wide receiver but i would not I, i'm not starting him okay so yeah i think it's it's very interesting so this is the most yards he's had since week nine of 2021 Allen robinson which is 64 yards 64 yards is his highest since week nine of 2021 that's wild so this is a full season and a half but yeah we'll we'll see i i don't hate taking a gamble on Allen robinson or or calvin but you got you got to be very very shallow to do that and then the question becomes well are you even close to contending if that's the case yeah if you have to start those guys but anyways well at least that was more yards that was more yards than any of the chiefs wide receivers could muster in the first week which coincidentally is our number four biggest loser uh for the week um is the chiefs wide receivers just like we we were talking about specifics you mentioned sky Moore, then we remembered Kadarius tony how could you forget so there's just a kind of a, like there's there's a couple of bright spots. We we felt like um, Rishi Rice had a pretty good performance, but just overall uh, as a wide receiver unit, not so good. Um, so let's talk about the Chiefs wide receiver be, wide receivers being the number four biggest loser. Yeah, so that I mean this is a, a big L for me because I invested pretty heavily in this guy more. I figured, hey, we're going into year two. You know, year one, redshirt year, it happens, getting used to the offense. But I was dead wrong <laughs> on Sky Moore. And the thing is, the the snap share was really good. In the preseason, he led the team in snaps with Pat Mahomes. So, like, he's on the field. But when he's on the field, he hasn't, he, he's not doing anything. And the question becomes, is Kelsey being in the lineup good for Sky Moore? I mean, that that may that may be your only hope at this point, or you got to hope that it's a complete anomaly that this happened. Like it's just the way that the game played out was not conducive to, or I don't want to say conducive, but the, just the way the game played out. Sky Moore just happened to get involved. Like if you if you run this game back a hundred times, this may be the worst game that Sky Moore has, which would be hard to do worse because he only had four yards rushing. Um, so. I'm cautiously still holding because you can't really move him at this point. It makes no sense to move Sky more. I don't think you can trust him in your lineups next week, um, which sucks because nobody in that offense looked very good. Even Rash, you know, Rasheed Rice, he had a touchdown, but he had a drop, and it's not like he was dominant in any way. Somebody needs to surface in that offense. It can't just be and, and MVS isn't it. Kadarius Tony had probably the worst game out of anybody for the whole week of the NFL slate. So I think if you can get Sky Moore for a third, I'd probably just take it. If I, I if I could get Sky Moore for a third, I'd trade a third for Sky Moore. Uh I don't know how bad his value has has dipped, but is definitely worth a shot. You can even argue that you could make the same offer for Kadarius Tony and hope that once again, for a guy that doesn't necessarily, ha- he's it's not like Kadarius Tony has had a career where he just can't catch the ball. 
like as bad. I mean, his hands aren't as bad as they showed week one. So gambling on either of those guys for third is probably worth it. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And I, and I think we want to reiterate that we're not swinging the pendulum. This is just one week. These guys are the biggest losers of the week, but we're not, you know, taking, we're not overreacting and taking the whole season into account for just this one week of performance. Like we, we expect some of these guys to, you know, the law law of averages will kind of kick in here and guys like Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony will not be quite so, so down, but for one week, they looked pretty brutal and it's going to take a lot to regain the confidence of owners. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Do you have any Sky Moore or Tony? I have one Kadarius Tony on one of my squads. Uh, I don't think I have any Sky Moore though. I, I missed missed my chance on him. But well, did you actually miss? Is that a miss or a hit? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a miss. Right now, it's not a miss. But it's uh, yeah, the, the window of opportunity is open for for Sky Moore believers. Yeah, and it, you could be uh. His value is not in the sky currently. No, it is not. It is definitely not. Um, before you keep going, one guy that we forgot, biggest loser is probably Drake London, so let's leave him for last. Yeah, Drake London. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, the the next one, and Drake, I mean, we can probably have a couple of honor, honorable mentions, Drake London, London being one of them, like T. Higgins, really but honorable. he's not. T. Higgins has enough insulation where it's not going to be like a big loser, but that's that's ouch. Um, the number three prepared biggest loser of the week is the New York Jets. <laughs> it's just, just the whole team. Um, starting with Aaron Rodgers, trickling down to a lot of the expectations we had around Garrett Wilson and any of the wide receivers on the team. Um, the running game kind of suffers a little bit. Like everything kind of suffers a little bit because of uh, Aaron Rodgers leaving. Yeah, and and it it sucks, right? So Garrett Wilson, you know, that was everybody's big breakout we had a lot of fantasy heads dark horses for leading the league in in uh in yard in receiving was was garrett wilson and that's that's not going to happen anymore with zach last week podcast was the bold predictions the uh fearless forecasts and we had rich dotson on rich had garrett wilson as a one of his top three receivers in the nfl this year so i guess that's going to change yeah and that's tough like he obviously super talented dude, but yeah. I mean, you can't you as we saw with another guy we'll probably talk about too um in Atlanta, but doesn't matter how good you are, if if your quarterback is atrocious or at least not good, you're not gonna perform. Yeah. Um especially at the level that that people are investing into you. So I think if you if you could, I would wait. I mean they have the Jets have a really difficult next three games. And I think you wait out the next three games. I don't imagine I can't imagine that, you know, Garrett Wilson's gonna have really any strong performances over the next few weeks. And if he does, you're kinda you kinda miss the window here. But with the Cowboys, Patriots, the next two weeks, you could conceivably see what happens and then you maybe you can even get a discount. On Garrett Wilson, if somebody doesn't want to wait a full year for him to to pay dividends, so I uh, I'd probably do that with Garrett Wilson. Brees Hall is is a guy that unfortunately I was hoping to buy on the cheap after he didn't start very hot. You know, I figured he'd get you know a hand five to ten touches in the first week, and they'd gradually bring him on. But even with his minimal touches. He made God, the most of good. his opportunities. He just made the most of his opportunities. Yeah. And it just, even with coming off an ACL, and he he had kind of that Dobbins gate. If you remember Dobbins, not Dobbins gate, like like a, like some sort of a- Like a scandal. Like not a scandal, yeah. not But his gate as in the way he was running last year, Brees Hall was doing much of the same. Uh, Brees ran, I want to say he ran in the four threes, if not low four fours. Uh, and he got caught by a safety, which I know that safety did not run the four four. So he's obviously not a hundred percent. And well, as we saw with Dobbins last year, it was just kind of looked like he was hobbling down the field. So that'll take some time. But the fact that the the fact that he broke off a hundred yards on two carries, and he did it, and it wasn't just like broken plays. He 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 ran those 
he ran that ball well. He he earned those yards. Uh, so that's kind of window closed. I think Dalvin Cook is a massive loser. He looks kind of toast. He he really like in this game he did not look like he had the juice. And your only hope for Dalvin Cook was he would start strong. Brees would get eased in. You can get some fancy points out of Dalvin Cook um, in the first half of the season to kind of give you give you some strong playoff uh, positioning. But that's kind of out the window too now, I feel like, with Dalvin Cook. So you can't even play that card. So I don't know. There's really nothing with the Jets that I like moving forward outside of Brees Hall. And it, and it's kind of it's kind of shitty. We I would have loved to see what happened. You know, if if Rogers what Rogers could have done with that team. Uh, I just don't think Zach Wilson's the answer. I know we had talked about it. We put up a poll: What's Zach Wilson worth? You know, you you feel like he should be somewhere mid second or higher. Am I correct on that? Yep. And I I, I don't. I think it's. Do I think Aaron Rodgers? retires i mean this is also a conversation do i think he retires after this i don't know that he should consider it like these are guys at an age where they have to concern have to be concerned about being able to walk you know like appropriately as they as they age and he's kind of at that point and like dobbins is young and and dobbins should consider it also he's just had a a slew of injuries now you know and, and like they're significant ones Rodgers is just at his current age, like he he should almost consider it's, it's going to be a long path to recovery for him. Not that he needs to have, you know, a fully functional Achilles in order to uh, be an effective quarterback. Quarterbacks don't rely on that as much as like a, you know, a performance pitcher, like a, a wide receiver running back. But I just think Rodgers at this point, he's kind of accomplished what he's set out to accomplish. And like this season's in the trash can and it's going to take a lot for him to come back from this, you know, so I, I think he should consider it. But do you think he do you think he plays next year? I think man, like how long does it take to come back from this? Like we've we saw Cam Akers come back pretty good, right? Yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like Achilles is the new ACL. Remember when ACL was kind of like season for sure, maybe career? Yeah. And now it's kind of like like doctor, you know, med- medicine and science has caught up to the point where like Achilles or ACLs really aren't what they used to be. It's like 6 to 9 months recovery and like you you might be back on the field, you know, uh, less than a year. Achilles has kind of become that new ACL now where it's like you're shut down for a year and you can consider retiring. Yeah, and I think 6 months for an ACL is pretty pretty I mean that we've only seen that Adrian on like AP, Peterson AP, but that's I mean he's he's a mutant. But like I think ACLs right now, I think they're still in that you know nine to twelve month range. But players are able to come back, and it takes them a season of rust, as we saw with like Saquon, we saw with Dobbins. Even Dobbins was balling even after the ACL injury, just didn't look right, even though he was you know, he still had a very very high efficiency rating. But I do agree, like the Achilles thing is a death sentence for certain it was for certain positions and we've seen that kind of change over the last couple of years uh of players coming back off of an achilles and being like cam Akers has started for the for the rams two years two years out uh off of that achilles so i think i think with rogers i do believe he does come back, which limits Zach Wilson's upside. The interesting storyline with this is apparently there was some turmoil with with Hackett and Aaron Rodgers leading through camp and leading up to the season. Um, and I don't know if this is true or not, but they were not on the same page. He didn't agree with the play calling and just kind of the overall uh, offensive scheme. So does that play into his decision to return to football? You know, even if does does yeah. Hackett even continue? But there's just a lot of layers there. And if Zach Wilson's the quarterback the rest of the year, even if he is, dude, I, I don't know if I'd give up anything more than an early third for Zach Wilson. If I was selling Zach Wilson, I'd expect a mid-second return. So I think his true value in between those is probably late second. I think I think he's such a great buy. He's got a huge opportunity. 
uh, in front of him. He's got a, he's on a, his rookie deal and he's got a potential out next year. He makes penny, like he makes peanuts compared to starting quarterbacks in the NFL. His next year, next year is his last year of his contract. So he could be playing for a contract this year. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, he might demand a trade if he has a reasonably good performance this year. And he's, he's had every opportunity now, and this is just one more chance for him, you know, and I, and I, I like the story, you know, like big name quarterback comes in old, old vet, you know, take the team to a super bowl. They've surrounded him with like studs, like on the, like great defense, great offensive line, like great, you know, one, one, one receiver is great at least. And now Zach just gets to inherit this. This is the best possible situation for a Zach Wilson guy, you know, like this is his best chance. Yeah. I I worry that if if you go with that route, the Rams won, which sucks for the Jets. Because I think if the Rams lose and they lose a couple more games, if they would have lost three or four to start the season, I think Stafford of the Jets makes a ton of sense. But (laughs) the fact that they won week one, if they keep winning, that's, that's that's out the window. Does that work contractually though? Because I know they paid Aaron Rodgers a buttload of guaranteed. I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked at it, but the salary cap is fake anyways. So I'm sure there's a way. I don't know if they bring like a Carson Wentz in. Wait, wait to, what do you the salary cap is fake? What the salary cap's fake. The Saints proved that. The Saints proved that. Salary cap's fake, man. They can get around it. Restructuring. So why does anybody cut and, anybody ever? They can restructure money. and do all this other stuff. Come on now. You know the salary cap's fake. No, not not fully. Not fully. <laughs> it is it is you can manipulate the salary cap to make shit happen. You can manipulate it, yeah. But P, P, I mean it's it's definitely a factor. Yeah. Yeah, so it's anybody's guess right now. I just I wouldn't put too much equity into Zach Wilson. So what would you pay for Zach Wilson? Uh any second any second for Zach Wilson. Now here's here's kind of the same point that you made about Penny Kickett is <laughs> if you're trading a second for Zach Wilson are you expecting to start him? Uh he, I think he'll he, he's a he, he can be a spot starter, yeah. But would you pay a second for a QB3 on your team? Heck yeah, and hell yeah, all day long. What what other starting quarterback can you get for a second round pick? Uh probably Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter. I, I would gladly pay a second for both of them. Even though Ritter looked really bad, so I think he's come down. But be- before the game, before week one, Ritter would have been you know easy money. Give give somebody a second for Ritter. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm I'll I'll consider a, a late second. I'd probably start with an early third and see if I can get lucky or a third in general, a th- or a third and a you know end of your bench type of guy that has some sort of name value or potential but won't ever hit it type of thing. Um, but I don't think I would give up a mid or an early second. There isn't anybody out there that's going to give up Zach Wilson for a third. But if, if they do, then hey, that's uh, more money for you. That'll be a good. I'll try it. I'll offer a third for Zach Wilson in every league. What do you think? Do it right now and then we'll see if anybody bites or rejects by the end of the podcast. We'll revisit. Okay. Um, next one is the number two biggest loser of the week. DeAndre Swift is the number two biggest loser of the week. And I, I'm trying to give you some time here to make make your offer, but you're gonna have to probably do it while talking. You talk you start. How about how about you start while I while I make these offers? You talk about what you think. Because we, you know, we obviously spent the weekend together, we watched all, you know, we watched the red zone together. So and that game was on quite a bit. What did you make of that whole situation with Gainwell and Swift? Um, well, it's kind of tricky for me because um Kenneth Gainwell looked like DeAndre Swift and DeAndre Swift looked like Kenneth Gainwell. Um it was the roles were kind of reversed, but while DeAndre Swift was probably one of the biggest losers of the week, I don't know how long that will last because I'm I'm reading that um, Kenneth Gainwell was absent at practice on Tuesday. And I think that DeAndre Swift will continue to get opportunities. And De- DeAndre Swift has enough insulation where I'm not overly concerned about it personally. So while, again, he was one of the biggest losers of the week, I'm not putting a ton of stock into it. 
Um, but it's definitely alarming to see somebody like Gainwell outperform him like that. That's uh, troubling, to say the least. But now, if Gainwell's banged up, there's not really a lot else that could press him, you know, and it could be uh, a pretty heavy workload for DeAndre Swift in week two. Yeah, it. I will say, I know a lot of people talking about you know, Gainwell getting hurt. It's a great opportunity for Swift. Go by Swift and all. My concern is, and and here's the thing: Gainwell did nothing really of note with his with his usage. He played over sixty percent of the snaps, had eighteen touches for seventy four yards. There wasn't much there for for Gainwell. Um, the usage was great, but my concern is. How in the hell do do they go into that game with the decision to give DeAndre Swift little to no usage at all? And the only reason why Swift is now a thing is because Kenneth Gainwell is hurt. Yeah, so you think it was... I don't know if it was part of the... Do you think it was part of the game plan to do that? Or was it just like a, a feed the hot hand thing? Dude, Boston Scott got a carry and... And DeAndre Swift didn't. I don't know, man. I, I just don't. If you feel that DeAndre Swift is a is a buy, it shouldn't be because Kenneth Gainwell got hurt. Let's put it that way. Because Kenneth Gainwell is not out for the year. So if he's coming back and the usage is anywhere near what it was, what's Swift really going to do? He probably played... I don't have the snap share in front of me, or I don't have the the the, the snap count for for Swift versus Gainwell. I just had Gainwell's, but does Swift get forty percent of the the touches in this offense with Gainwell back? You, I don't know how you can make that draw that conclusion after week one. So let's say Gainwell's out this week and comes back next week. You better hope. Basically, what you're saying is I hope that DeAndre Swift goes absolutely bananas in that game where they're forced to keep him. But they went through training camp, and they came out of training camp, first week of the season. Training camp, preseason, they went to the season with DeAndre Swift being pretty much an afterthought, just out there running routes, not carrying the ball. So I I don't know. And here's the thing. I I like Swift coming out, but I just don't know how, how we could be trusting him moving forward if this is the case. I think the right answer is to probably make your buys for Swift. They've got the Vikings this week. I think it's a Thursday night game, right? The opportunities are going to be there. He's going to look back to form. And if there are any concerns about Swift falling back below Kenneth Gainwell, then you could just turn around and trade him and make a profit, like a really quick turn. Like this could be one of those, you know, day trading opportunities. Yeah. And I stand corrected. Swift did get a carry. He had one carry, tied with Boston Scott. So what would you give up for Swift? Oh, man. Any second. <laughs> any, you'd give up any second for Swift? Uh, Yeah. I'd, I'd give up Zach Wilson for Swift. You'd give up Zach Wilson for Swift. So yeah, let me ask you a question. You'd, so you'd rather have Swift over Zach Wilson in Dynasty? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's... uh. He's got a little bit like I know this. I, I don't want to over. I'm not going to overreact on week one. I've seen worse. We saw this with Brees Hall last year. Brees Hall started the season with hardly any workload. And then like, look at Brees Hall now. I'm not going to overreact uh, with one week. I know it was it was weird. There might be reasons that we don't know about that haven't come out yet. So I'm I'm fine with Swift. But honestly, like they're they're Zach Wilson and DeAndre Swift's value should be really, really close. Um, I just like I like DeAndre Swift for an immediate turnaround. Zach Wilson's got some tough matchups coming up. DeAndre Swift has the Vikings, who look like they're a high school defensive football team. Maybe worse, junior like the Vikings look like they literally have junior high students playing football on defense. Oh yeah, I mean I I think if you have Swift on your team, you start him in week two. But I'm saying like acquire him for a second, any second. I'm I'm comfortable with. He probably has pretty good odds at a blow-up game in Week 2 against the Vikings on a Thursday night, prime time. And then if, you don't, if you're not comfortable with him, just move him then. You can, you can easily profit from that. I don't, I don't know for sure that you're going to get a first, but you might be able to like do Swift and a second for a first or something. Then you, then you traded two seconds for a first. 
Who do you think? So I just plugged him in the calculator between DeAndre Swift and Zach Wilson. Who do you think has more value? 12 team super flex, no special. Yep, 12 team, 12 team super flex. No special, nothing special. I think Swift should edge out Zach. Okay. So they're both equivalent to each other. <laughs> they're dead even. So they're both sitting at five in the calculator, which happens to be a mid second. A mid second. Yeah. So, and that's just the the mid second is the buy sell line. So if you're a Swift owner, you're expecting or hoping for, or if Swift or Wilson at this point, you're hoping for an early second. And if you're a buyer, you're hoping to acquire them for a late second, yeah. which brings their value to an equilibrium of, of a mid-second. Yep. And I, and I think that's probably appropriate, but I'm still going to send out these offers. And I sent you one, by the way. You can feel free to reject that. <laughs> I sent you a Zach Wilson offer for a third. If you feel on, if you want to prove my point for me, you can accept it if you want. <laughs> I'm the guy that's buying for a second, and you want to buy him from me for a third. Yeah. Should I accept the trade and then offer you a second for him right away? Uh, yeah, I would. I would take that. Nice, good trade, man. Nice job. Thanks, dude. Um, so I will. I will agree with you. I think you you convinced me a little bit with you know thinking about this matchup. I do think. Swift goes, I think he has a big game. I, I do feel like he's a must-start next week. I like that. I think that's good. Uh, a good spot to stop with Swift. Next one that we have, uh, the number one biggest loser of the week is blatantly obvious. We don't really need to talk about this too much, but it's J.K. Dobbins, and I'm not JKing. What? Let's not talk about J.K. Dobbins because his value is pretty much nothing. You want right. to switch it over to... Let's, yeah. let's switch it over to Drake London. Yeah, he's going to be one of our honorable mentions, but I think he is, he should be in the top five because JK, you know, bless his heart, man. He came back from the ACL, looked good. Um, and then the, this is just terrible for him. And his value is pretty much next to nothing. You can't do anything with him. I'm in the camp of just hold him because I don't want to trade him for a fourth or fab. If you have a deep, deep roster, if you have deep league, you can stash him. If you're only carrying 20 guys, then it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to keep him because he's a roster clogger. But let's say any league that's 25 plus, you hold on to Dobbins until he comes back and mm -hmm. then try to move him then. But Drake London is, the I think, the biggest loser um, just with how bad that offense looked. Yeah, and it's more, I, I, I'm i okay with Drake having being the biggest loser. In fact, I, I would probably give the biggest loser to... I would say Desmond Ritter, but like he he didn't have super high expectations to begin with. But I think Drake's values dipped because of Ritter. You know, I don't think it's his own fault. Right, but that we still do. You think Ritter improves? Um, I hope he does. Otherwise, I'm going to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, they did not really go outside the box this week. You know, I didn't get to see a whole ton of the game, but we watched, you know, the the second half quite a bit in that game. I was I'm a heavy investor in Desmond Ritter. So, I need I need Desmond. And what bothers me the most about Desmond Ritter is this bastard does not want to run. Like just they they <laughs> should be finding ways to make Desmond Ritter into a dual threat quarterback. And the fact that they they aren't doing that in week one needed absolutely nothing on the ground, like that to me is is a massive oversight. I I am not. I think you have to fade Drake London. Kyle Pitts is his value is has completely deflated after since after his rookie season. I still have a little bit of hope, a glimmer of hope, similar to my Sky Moore glimmer of hope. You know, Desmond Ritter doesn't turn the ball over, but this is not good for fantasy. Like, sure, he's he's turning into just your game manager. Guy that's good. He's not going to lose any games. He's not going to win you any games. He's basically a mobile Teddy Bridgewater that's not actually mobile. I was just going to say Teddy Bridgewater. That's crazy. He's a Okay, he's a mobile Teddy Bridgewater that's immobile. It's like his completion percentage 
Desmarder's okay. completion percentage was like 80 plus percent. It's like, great, but we're not doing it with the, the, the average depth of target is, is nothing. So, I don't know. I think Bijan is just going to absolutely eat. But, man, it, it's not a good start. You know that like that that's you're right though Bijan is one of the glimmers of hope for Desmond Ritter. And I know we're talking about um Drake London as the biggest loser, but we we've kind of transitioned to Desmond Ritter a little bit, but I think Bijan is the glimmer of hope for Desmond like those little short dump plays and just let Bijan do what Bijan does. Um I think that's a, a big thing and then then hopefully like that might be a confidence builder for him or something and then he gets you know he kind of starts to splay out his game a little bit more starts to run, starts to throw the ball a little bit farther downfield, starts to throw the ball more. I think uh, he was on the opposite end of the most passing attempts on the week. He was like, uh, was he in the teens? I don't know, but at one point he's like four for four with zero yards and a touchdown. Yeah, fifteen for eighteen, one fifteen and a touch. That's not the kind of volume that you're gonna have a biggest winner out of. That's for sure. So yeah, I, I think. Uh, to keep things moving along here, Drake London, biggest li- biggest loser, definitely tied to Desmond Ritter. I'm not buying. I have no Drake London. He's a little, uh, yeah. I saw a couple of deals, uh, Puka for Drake London, and I saw multiple of those go through this week in Dynasty. Wow. Speaking of Puka. Nakua. How do you say Puka his last Nakua. name? By the Puka way, Nakuka. do you know who, who has, man, <laughs> has more receptions than Drake London on the season? Who has more receptions than Drake London on the season? That is true. Puka. I, in fact, I think, I think Bryce Young, and I think both quarterbacks in that game caught a pass, and Drake London didn't. Didn't C.J. Stroud? Yeah, didn't. I, I can't remember. There was two of the maybe it was Stroud. Two maybe quarterbacks Stroud caught their Bryce own Young, pass. Yeah. yeah. Desmond Ritter has one one reception, and Drake London has none. Um. So, uh, wow. Yeah. Anyways, let's transition. Transitioning, and I, I think that was a, a good transition. We're gonna we'll start with one through five because it's you know there's no we're you know concern about keeping the suspense high or anything. But the number one biggest winner of the week that we had written down is Puka Nakua, a pretty impressive performance. And seeing trades like that for guys like Drake London who have considerable value insulation were first round draft picks in the rookie drafts last year. That's a pretty impressive first week. Uh, to win, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we've seen a lot of players in the past that have had this, we you know, one week and they, like, was it Travis Fulgham a couple years ago? He had that breakout, just monster week one, and then was nothing. But I think, so Matt Stafford is what we've seen now throughout his entire career. And we didn't know who was going to be this week, but when he has his number one target, it goes to that player. Like he, his favorite target, mm, yeah. he just locks in on. So the guy that he trusts the most is the guy that's going to get most of the targets. And without Cooper Cup, it just so happens to be Puka. And it could have been just the fact that Puka slid into what Cooper Cup's role and filled his shoes better than anybody else in that offense could have and Stafford trusted that and that's not going to change like if if Puka comes Mm -hmm. out and he has the amount of targets that he had week one I don't think that he's going to go into week two with a goose egg or three or three uh, targets five targets I think this is a legitimate thing Stafford Stafford did it now of course he had Calvin and he's had Cooper Cup and he did it with after Calvin Johnson left, there was another receiver that he peppered, and I can't remember who it is now. Drawn a blank. Um, but I, I do feel like Puka is legitimate now. My concern is what happens when Cooper Cup returns. Because if you if you want to cash in on Puka, I think if you can get any first for Puka, I think you have to take it. There's no if you can get late first, you have to take it. Yeah, hundred percent. If you don't take it, the the gamble like it's just it's sure. Could Puka? Could he be the next Julian Edelman or the next 
Cooper Cup or the next Keenan Allen or the next whatever one of these like just slot guys that is a wide receiver one or high end wide receiver two, sure. But you have to play the odds and the gamble just isn't worth taking in a situation like this. You have to cash your chips on something like this. You got a guy that you drafted in the third, fourth, maybe even undrafted in rookie drafts, and you can flip him for a first after one week, or you can flip him for a Drake London, or you can flip him for, you know, God knows what, like a, a higher end receiver. You 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 take it. You know, you just have to take it. Yeah. And if and if it's something where I can package Puka in a second and upgrade, like if it's Puka in a second gets me a really good receiver, like somebody that went had a down week, like a T Higgins. If somebody is gonna be crazy and take a deal like that, great. Now you don't want to offend people either, but these deals are getting done with Puka. So if you can find that guy in your league that chases chases his tail a little bit with with performances like this, you, you should be cashing your chips on Puka. Which side do you have on that trade you mentioned? The uh, Drake uh, London London Drake. versus Puka. I mean, I, I think you you have to. Um, it's it's the safer, obviously the safer route, and it also has the higher upside. You're getting safety and upside with the deal, and I know because you're selling high and buying yeah, low. Yeah, Drake yep. London. Sure, if Desmond Ritter keeps doing what he did this last week yet yeah, we're looking at drake london not being worth anything this year even though drake london did perform decent with jasmine ruta last year it is a good buying opportunity um but with puka it's yeah. you have him for a few weeks before cooper cup comes back now you're basically if you make a deal like that you're banking on cooper cup re-injuring his hammy when he returns and then you got puka the rest of the year but Yep. It's just not worth it's just not worth the gamble. Yep. Um moving on to the next one, I I would say an honorable mention alongside of Puka would be Tutu Atwell. Um also a very good performance, kind of overshadowed by Puka's 15 targets, so just an insane 10 reception game. Um I, I feel like Izzy's right about the fact that um Matt Stafford does lock on to his favorite target, but in this case, um in such a uh, a flux of an offense right now with Cooper Cup being down. I could see that transitioning over to two two um, here and there too because he liked them both. Kyle Phillips last year. I don't know if you remember Kyle Phillips' game, but I think he had ten. I think he had double digit targets. He had eight receptions for like eighty yards last year, week one, and then he got hurt. But and I don't necessarily think that's going to happen with Puka, where he's not going to keep this going to some degree. I don't think he's going to get fifteen targets every week, but I don't think it's the same as Kevin as, as Kyle Phillips, but. It's hap- we've seen this happen several times, so we can't just crown them. But yeah, yep, can't just crown them. Mm-hmm. Can't crown their ass, as Danny Green would say. Number two, biggest winner of the week, bursting out of the scene like a guy that's been off of football for quite a long time. With, um, I believe he had eleven targets, eight reception, one hundred one yards, and a touchdown. Calvin yeah. Ridley from the Jaguars, one of the biggest winners of the week, easily. Yeah, so we got to scrub the podcast from last week because. I didn't think Ridley would finish in the top 20, but Christian Kirk has been pretty much turned into dust on offense. And obviously week one, we don't know what's going to happen moving forward. And we we make a lot of, you know, jump to conclusions with with items like this. But I I could pretty much just take my L now because I didn't think Calvin Ridley would come in and just dominate targets for the course of the season. And the fact that he did it week one tells me that we're probably headed towards a target domination by Calvin Ridley. Um so I'll I'll wait another week before I officially take the L, but I am I'm there. I'm willing to jump on board of the L train um and and cash out. If I can if I can cash out my L ticket and and take less of a, a sentence, I I would probably do it. Yeah, and just to give listeners some context that may not have listened to last week's episode, Izzy had Calvin Ridley as one of his bold predictions as not peaking in the fearless forecast. Fearless forecast not peaking in the top twenty-four wide receivers for the for the season. Um, Top twenty, 
one of the players that you also talked about last week that was um, that did show up in a good way it was, it was our number three five of the five biggest winners of the week. Uh, a gentleman who had also 10 targets, just like Calvin Ridley, um, also nine receptions and 78 yards, no touchdowns. Zay Flowers, rookie wide receiver, looked amazing. Uh, and that's a guy that you selected that was going to be, I, I can't remember what you said, led, lead the team in targets or what was your prediction? Uh, yeah, that he would be the, I think yeah, I think he said he'd be the number one fantasy scoring receiver um, for the for the, uh, for for the, the Ravens. Ravens, yeah. yeah. That sounds right. I'm going to fact check just to make sure, but that uh, Izzy, I'm looking at it right now. Izzy, Ridley, Watson, Debo will all finish outside the top 20. Ridley, Watson? Where's your Watson. Zay Flowers? Which, what? Wait. Oh, Christian Watson. Christian Watson, yeah. Well, that's looking good already. Yeah, Debo right? also didn't, uh, didn't have a big game. Uh, I don't see your Ridley thing. Hmm. Well, oh, you don't see the Rid- Ridley one? You already mentioned Ridley, didn't you? I mean, not the Ridley thing. I don't see the Zay Flowers thing, though. I know I thought you had him in there. I thought I did too. Yes, uh, Elijah Moore, Sky Moore, Jahan Dotson, Nico Collins, Ridley Watson, Debo. Yep, Zay Flowers is not in there. Deontay's in there. Maybe you and I were talking. I thought maybe you, had, maybe anyway. you and I talked about it offline. Um, yeah, you you. Uh, I I know that you you're documented as uh, really liking Zay Flowers. Like you've kind of you turned you turned around on him. You weren't super high on him after the rookie draft, and then like after the uh, seeing what he can do in the offseason, you kind of came around, which is fine. Yeah, and, um, but Zay Flowers is definitely one of the biggest winners of the week. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, when he landed with the Ravens, obviously, I, whenever a, a receiver goes to Lamar, <laughs> just. It's not on my favorite things to do is, is draft those receivers. But as camp went on, um, just hearing everything that's being said about Zay Flowers, just watching um, him in one-on-ones, watching it just everything just kind of pointed. And a lot of it is hearsay, but I gravitated towards buying into Zay Flowers because of the way that he wins. And Lamar Jackson is not going to necessarily push the ball down the field often. But I figured they would do what they did with Zay Flowers, is create and manufacture touches for him. He didn't have a big A dot. It's not like they were throwing the ball down the field. It was around the line, near around the line of scrimmage and then having him work in those areas. And honestly, it worked fantastic. So yeah, I don't know. I uh, I I think that Zay Flowers and OBJ said this about him a month or two. He said that he's a top he's going to be a top five receiver in this league and i think when players say that about other players it just it hits a little different for me it's not just kind of fluff like it could be said about any receiver on any team but he looks legit he looks like legit future wide receiver one i hate that he's with the ravens it does cap, I think, his ultimate But it could ceiling. be worse. He could be with the Falcons. It could be worse. He could be with the Falcons. Absolutely. But, yeah, I think it signed me up for, for Zay Flowers. I don't know if he's going to – I could see him having a dip in production with Mark Andrews back. And if he has any sort of dip in production over the next couple of weeks, it's an automatic buy for Zay Flowers. I kind of feel it's the same way with, with Jahan Dotson last year. I, if you remember you and I talking about it, he came out pretty hot. And my thing was like, wait, and then buy him for cheaper because his the way that he's winning right now is unsustainable long term, you know, in his rookie season. And he's discounted. Like you could have gotten him discounted. So I feel like this could happen with Zay Flowers as well. But any opportunity that you can get Zay Flowers in Dynasty without giving up an arm and a leg, I would absolutely do it. Yep, I agree. Uh, and moving on to the number four biggest winner of the week, Kyron Williams, which I don't know that a lot of people had um, him projected to get quite as much of a workload. But Kyron Williams didn't have a ton of yards, didn't get a ton of work on the ground um, with only 15 carries uh, and 52 yards. But he he turned out with uh, two touchdowns and he kind of overshadowed a a lackluster Cam Akers. Cam had 22 carries for 29 yards and one touchdown, so he just kind of looked like the better running back of the two, even though um, 3.5 yards per rip isn't really anything to to write home about. Um, definitely an overshadowing and a big winner of the week. Yeah, and I don't know what you can really do with this backfield. 
uh, the the usage is fantastic. I mean, we got 30 se- 37 carries between the two of them. Um, and here's the thing. Like Cam Akers, yeah, he averaged 1.3 yards per carry. Uh, now, I, I, we saw quite a bit of that game. Um, you just get more of the afternoon slate um, in, in general. And there wasn't much there for either running back. But what why Kyron's the big winner is he stole a lot of the premium touches in the red zone, inside the five. Uh, he got a lot of those touches. And I don't know if that just happened to be in times where Cam Akers needed a breather or it was just kind of part of the rotation and they just happened to be those premium touches. We'll need another week. Like this next week is going to be massive for this backfield. Maybe bigger than any backfield because if we're looking at the same 50-50 split, you know, relatively close, um, this is a massive win for Kyron Williams. They're not bringing any other running backs in. And I, I can't see them spending on a free agent next year. This is the same conversation we had with Cam Akers. It's like, hold Cam Akers or, or, or buy him for cheap because they're not going to invest in the running back position. They just can't. They have too many holes to fill. They don't have the draft capital. They're not going to spend it on a running back. And if and, and, Kyron, and uh, Cam Akers is a free agent next year, and I'm not sure about Kyron Williams. You may have to look that up and fast, fact check that. But if Kyron Williams is splitting carries with Cam Akers, and this lasts throughout the course of the season, I there is a decent chance that Kyron Williams is in the same situation next year and all you had to pay for him is some fab. So he's obviously an absolute buy. I don't hate paying a fourth round pick for him and just taking a, a, a chance on him. But this is a it's a it's a big showing uh week one for Kyron Williams. Yeah, and to answer your question, Kyron Williams is under contract until twenty uh through twenty twenty five, but he's being paid um, pretty minim- minimal wages, um, under a million each year. So it, it's not like he's got a very secure position because of uh, investment. So, but yeah, through 2025, not a yeah. free agent. Yeah. And that that makes sense. I didn't know if the practice squad thing, I don't know what that ever does to, to contracts and so on and so yeah. forth because he was a rookie last year. So that makes sense. And last but not least, the final number five biggest winner of the week, Kenneth Walker, not seeing a big... Um, loss of workload to uh, from Zach Charbonnet. Um, the the Seahawks offense did not look great. Um, Geno Smith passed for 112 yards. The whole team didn't rush for more than 100 yards, so uh, it was a pretty lackluster performance. But it was nice to see Kenneth Walker come in with the biggest, uh, the lion's share of the workload. 12 carries, 64 yards. Um, not much work in the passing game. Um, four receptions, three yards. Uh, that's pretty good. Um, just couldn't make make much out of it. But a big win. Yeah. So so Kenneth Walker, the reason why he's the big winner and why I wanted to talk about him is that he had five targets week one. Not known as being a pass catcher. The expectation was Charbonnet would come in. He would be the guy on passing downs and he'd be getting, you know, he'd be spelling him maybe some touches in the red zone. Kenneth Walker got all of the carries in the red zone, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he got all of the res- uh, targets. Charbonnet didn't have any targets, and he got most of the carries. And he spent most of the offseason injured and not practicing, not not at camp. And the fact that he came in week one and pretty much dominated touches and opportunities. Now, he didn't dominate all of the snaps. I think he was in the 60, I think he had 63% of the snaps. Uh, but if you're going to give me 60 plus percent of the snaps, but I'm going to get five targets and 15 carries. I think that's a, you know, really good, really good situation. He didn't get the 15 carries this week because they were, they ended up being down most of that second half. Um, But I, I like the trend here for Kenneth Walker. He was somebody that I was actively trying to shop away and I couldn't. Because I didn't like the the idea of the Seahawks and kind of what they're bringing in and them spreading the ball around, and that could change. But I'm okay if Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet split touches, 
but Kenneth Walker is part of the receiving game. That that yeah. eases a lot of my concerns. And hopefully this isn't an aberration, but um I'm I'm on board the Kenneth Walker train if he can get me, you know, three, four, you know, just a few receptions a game. If you can get me three receptions a game, I'm absolutely in on Kenneth Walker at, at cost. There you go. I like the pick. I think it's uh it's a good process. I, I don't know how cheaply you could acquire him right now, but uh, I think that's uh, the right move. Yeah, not anymore. I mean, I think you could have, but but not Chicago. anymore based on how that... I think right now what you could be doing is going out to get... Charbonnet is probably the smarter pivot is because Ken the Walker has shown that he's not... He hasn't shown a pension to stay healthy. So scooping up Zach and waiting for Kenneth Walker to get hurt is definitely not a bad idea. And there's a chance that Kenneth Walker could stay healthy, but they work Charbonnet into that backfield slowly but surely. Especially surely. That's all we got, you guys. Those were the five biggest winners and five biggest losers of week one. We're going to cover off on more of this stuff again next week and maybe uh, mix in a little bit more trades next time here too. Joe. Uh, and maybe a little bit, what? Joe. Joe, yep, exactly. You're going to Joe Mixon in more trades gonna joe mix in and some more trades he might have been a big winner of week one too but uh you guys i just want to say thank you so much for listening to our podcast make sure you leave us a like a comment whatever you whatever have you follow us on twitter at ff dynasty trades you can follow izzy at dtc underscore izzy e and you can follow me at ff hercules and the producer john Mosier at underscore at dtc underscore john Mosier. thank you guys so much for listening this week we'll see you again bye